First of all, I want to, uh, Abe, where are you? Abe Miller? Let's thank Abe for what he did last week. That was really good. And um, so talking about coming from two different perspectives. Here's a guy who was raised in a godly home, but had uh, confessed to his own struggles with sexual uh, immorality and just personal purity. And thanks for your openness in that regard, Abe. Now, I'm on the other side of the scale. I was not raised in a Christian home, and I have a ton of immorality in my life, forgiven, under the blood, washed. But, you know, the, the brain still works, right? And, uh, and so <clears throat> there's a way of shrinking, I think, those memories that we have. But um, I have some, if I focused on it, I have some awful, awful, awful memories, which include grotesque immorality, pornography, and all of that. Now, I'm thankful that my salvation not only was radical on the inside, but it be quickly became radical on the outside. Doesn't mean I haven't struggled. Doesn't mean I haven't been tempted. Doesn't mean I haven't failed. Uh, but really, really grateful uh, for the grace of God in my life. I can tell you that when uh, my wife passed away, God put me, just froze me. Uh, you know, my first wife and I had a very active sexual life. I mean, seven kids, you know, what do you, you don't get pregnant every time you make love. But, uh, but, uh, but when I, when I um, uh, became a widower, uh, there was this powerful freezing effect. I, it, I just, just call it the grace of God in my life, where I was, you know, I was, wasn't, I wasn't even tempted. I think there was a period of mourning that took place. Uh, but as soon as Marilyn came into my life, holy smokes, you know, as Katie barred the door, uh, let's get married next week, you know. Uh, and so for really, for, it was a year and a half between meeting Marilyn and actually getting married, and that was one difficult year and a half uh, with a lot of, of sexual temptation and struggle, uh, but thank the Lord for his victory through the whole thing. Uh, many of you have heard the story of Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot, the famous a missionary, along with his four other missionaries, that died uh, at the hands of the, the Alcas uh, back in the, in the middle 50s. Um, Elizabeth was the widow, and she wrote, her famous book was Through Gates of Splendor. She also wrote one of my personal favorites, Shadow of the Almighty. I would recommend you put it on your highest list of books worth reading, Shadow of the Almighty, because it deals with your walk with God, your morality, and all these. The Journals of Jim Elliot are another book, which he actually opens up and confesses his struggle when he was in the jungle, uh, you know, because most of these women he was working with were half naked, and he, he, he talks about that. He wrote about these things. But uh, he also writes about the, his, uh, his love affair with, uh, with Elizabeth Elliot. They met at Wheaton College. And Elizabeth uh, was saying that she had fallen in love with him, but she never thought he would ever look at her twice. The reality was he'd fallen in love with her, and he wrote her a card one day, signed his name with, uh, with 2 Timothy 2, 4. And, and she testified, she says, I, I wondered if there was something cryptic in that, you know, verse. As she went to 2 Corinthians 2, 4, and this is, this is what she read. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. <laughs> this, is what he, this is what he wrote her. <laughs> in other words, he was struggling, but he was committed to his commanding officer. And as I was listening to a testimony of Elizabeth Elliot sharing these things, she said something that really, she was referring to Elliot before they were married. And again, this is a man with clay feet, struggles like all of us, 
But here's what, what, what do you suppose she was overwhelmed with? She was overwhelmed with his masculinity. This is what she said. His masculinity overwhelmed me at times. I just think that's a powerful statement. His, just look at that. His masculinity overwhelmed me. What would your wives, those of you who are married, we've got young guys here who aren't married, but so those of you who aren't married, uh, would a woman, any woman, see your masculinity? And what, is she, what do you think she meant by that? Was she talking about his, you know, how ripped out he was? He was a champion wrestler, by the way, greatest sport in the world. Uh, was that what she was referring to? Now, obviously, she was referring to the very same thing that Pastor Brad preached on this morning, his proven what? Character. His proven character. He was a, he was a man of God. He was a true man of God. And you want, if you want to know what lights up a woman's world, it's a true man of God. Uh, there's a guy in, I just this came, there's a guy in this group, he knows who I'm talking about, a few of you, I'm not going to out him, but uh, his wife, uh, in, an, uh, in an unfiltered moment a few years ago, told me about how one of their kids acted up in a, in a, in a school event, and she was mad, and she was upset, and she wanted to deal with him, but she knew her husband needed to deal with him, and she watched her husband deal in a very masculine way with his son rebuking him for what he the way he had acted but he did it in a very godly way and she she's telling me the story and she came, she went up to her husband and she goes man you want to turn me on you just keep that stuff up <laughs> that's masculinity uh, one of my life verses in my own life is uh romans 15 18 that says i will not dare to speak of any of those things which christ has not accomplished through me, both in word and in deed. And I claimed that verse as a ministry verse 30 years ago. That's when I was utterly inexperienced because we always have to teach, preach, and minister beyond our experiences. I still do. But I've, got a, I've, I've, you know, I've garnered a few experiences now. I'm, I'm not, you know, David wrote, I have been young, I'm now old. Well, I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore. And so I've got a few things to pass along, and I want to do that as we go, and I'll have a testimony uh, along the way that you're going to hear in a moment, too. Uh, so first of all, men, you were born to lead. So just make, mark that down. That just seems so axiomatic, and yet in our culture, it's not anymore. This egalitarian culture that we live in, it's just, you just don't hear it. But you were born to lead. You're supposed to be a leader. But in order to lead... You, in order to be, in, before you can intentionally lead, you must be, say it, intentionally led. I, I, this, is, this is the thing, this is the statement I shared with a group of pastors at a conference I was a speaker at a few weeks ago, and this is the one I wanted to tattoo into their brains as I'm tattooing it into yours. Before you can intentionally lead, you must be intentionally Led. Okay, so uh, Abe gave us the blast. Can you, uh, can, do you remember what they all stood for? Can, let's, what, the, no, by the way, blast, for those of you, this was uh, an acronym. Uh, this is, this is y- these are some of the, the, the uh, steps, downward steps that men, go, uh, that take men into immorality, into pornography, uh, into various areas, uh, paths they shouldn't be on. 
And uh, they were identified, and we went through. And what was the first one? Okay, when you're bored, that's a warning sign. Okay, what's the next one? Okay, so when you're lonely. Again, this, is, this isn't just for single people, because married people can be lonely uh, for various reasons. But these are all sort of uh, red flag. What? Anger is the other one. If you are an angry person, these are, these are areas that some of the so-called experts out there are identifying, men who fall into immorality. This is what they do. They're angry. What was letter S? Okay, so you're stressed out. You got a job, you're working around the clock, you're a workaholic, whatever. These are things that tend to garner lust. Well, what's the last one? So, they, of course, all these things lead to being tired. And that's how you have a blast in the wrong way. Okay? So we're going to invert this. Uh, that's, we're going to invert this acronym, okay, tonight. And, and answer the question, how you can insulate yourself. We used the word last week in the message. I think it's a good word. Remember, uh, the, uh, Vance Havner said, Christians should be insulated, not isolated. Moving in the midst of evil, but untouched by it. But we need to insulate ourselves. And uh, uh, so I want to talk about and use the same acronym while we're at it, okay? So here they are. I'm just going to give them to you, and then we'll walk through them, okay? So, uh, so you got Bible, low, and I'll explain that. Accountability, sorrow, and testifying, okay? Uh, we'll walk through this, but uh, these are the things I've come up with. This isn't the panacea. This isn't the silver bullet, but uh, fits in the acronym. Anyway, so uh, uh, we'll, we'll, work, we'll work through this, okay? So here's our, using the same acronym, uh, we're going to go first to the Bible, and you would expect us, expect us to do that, wouldn't you? So this is the first thing. If you're going to insulate yourself uh, from immorality, you need the Word of God. Now, it is, I don't know who does these statistics, but the statistics say that even in the, the general evangelical church, 68% of men are struggling with pornography. How many of you think that's a true statement? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you think, nah, that's way too high? Raise your hand. How many would admit and say, that's a, that's a pretty shocking number? Would you raise your hand? That's a, okay, so that means a whole lot of you are struggling with pornography. That's what it means. So I just assume that some of you are really struggling right now. So the first thing I want you to know is, welcome to my world. I mean, I'm not struggling with pornography right now, or anything, but welcome to the world of men, right? And uh, so I, I want you to relax. This is not intended to be a guilt trip session. Uh, we want to bring you in. We want to encourage you. We want you to find, we want you to find um, friendship and accountability uh, and, Lord willing, freedom in this particular area as well. But here's the first, the Bible. Let's get to the Bible, okay? So... Uh, I mean, you'd expect this, as I said, but so the question, are you hearing from God? This is real basic stuff, but how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Uh, one of my, I'm just going to say this, one of my great concerns in the supplemental material, and of the making of many books, there is no what? There's no end. There's a new book out on sexual immorality almost yearly, maybe many a year. 
uh, Every Man's Battle. We, we, we're looking at a series right now called Conquer. Some of you, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to some of you who just swear by the material you've used, and I'm sure it's really helped you. But this is something that really concerns me in almost all the stuff I've looked at. Uh, this, the material, the people that swear by their material, there's this, they almost treat the Bible as a kind of, uh, almost disrespectfully by saying, well, you know, you know, people, they say when you, you know you're struggling with pornography, just read the Bible and pray and you'll be okay. Well, I've never heard anybody say, read your Bible and pray. But I, I, I get what they're getting at. It, it takes more than just reading your Bible and praying. You, you need some of these other things. But I hate the dismissiveness that people, they treat the Bible almost dismissively. Is that a true statement or not? I, I'm, I'm asking the question. Is that a true statement or not? Jesus said in, in John 15, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He said, husbands, love your wives uh, and and." And part of your sanctification lifestyle with your wife is, is with the washing of water by the word. So I, I asked somebody just the other day if they were, they're struggling in a different area. But it was, it's a huge struggle in their life. And this is a very mature Christian. And so at the end of my email, I simply asked, hey, a couple of basic questions. Are you praying? Yes, question mark. No, question mark. And are you uh, reading your Bible? Yes, question mark, no, question mark. And this, this person got back to me and said, hey, the answers are real easy, no and no. I, I don't even know how I can go to any other area unless they're taking the time to be washed, okay? So, um, so uh, input determines outflow. That's, a, that, that's, that's nothing new. Uh, if you're going to insulate yourself, I don't see how any of us, especially in this culture, which accepts all the pornography going on. It's, we, we are, we're living in a pornographic culture. Why wouldn't you make that commitment that we talk about so often of not leaving the home without the insulation of God's word in your life, reading scripture meditatively, prayerfully, going back and forth with the Lord on it, uh, making the Bible a big, big deal. Uh, uh, Jeremiah said the heart of man is desperately what? It's desperately wicked. Who, who can know it, right? And, and then uh, also Jeremiah 10, 23 says, uh, I, Lord, I know that, uh, that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. That's Jeremiah 10, 23. So right there you have a very clear statement that you don't have the capacity on your own to fight sin and to be directed by God. And so the scripture is, this is just, this is just axiomatic for us. So we have to spend time in the word, being challenged, and as much, I would just say this before I, I go to the next one, and that is, I would just say that, that if you're married, how many of you are married? Raise your hand so that's most of you, if those of you that are married, uh, one thing of accountability is every day share something with your wife. Just share something you got out of your time with God with, with your wife and, and vice versa. She should share something. That's my wife, it's very simple. My wife and I don't have, we don't spend an hour in devotion together. We each spend an hour separate and we spend about 15 minutes together. 
Sometimes we sing together and we get done, we'll sing a hymn or something like that. And it sort of is a cool thing, but these are things that you can do, practical things that bring you back together your wife. And let me tell you something, your, your wife will love it if you show interest in her spirituality and you share with her what God is doing in your heart and life. So uh, the Holy Spirit. So I just want to mention this. If you're going to walk in the Spirit, God uses His Word and His Spirit. They, they run in conjunction with one another. And when you are walking in the Spirit, you will know whether or not you should watch this, not watch that, go here, not go there. Uh, we, be, we belittle. That we, I don't want to say we belittle. We don't talk enough about what it means to walk in the Spirit. The Bible commands us to be filled with the Spirit, right? And then it talks about the results. And when you look at the results in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3, the results are, are really a joyful life. So learn what it means, learn what it means to, to, uh, to walk uh, in the Spirit. Um, the other thing is just, again, this is under the first point. Of the, uh, first point is just mentors. Um, this is the other thing you need to be thinking of. The, uh, uh, we'll get back to this on accountability, but have you, how many of you have a mentor? Just, I'm curious. Raise your hand. You have men, Just raise your hand if you have mentors. So, I mean, keep them up. Keep them up high. And I want everybody to look around. We are talking about maybe 10 of you raising your hand. Um, when I first became a pastor, I knew that I needed mentors in my life. I needed men, and they were mostly older men. And I would ask you younger guys to find older guys that can mentor you. You know, I, to some degree, I mentor the staff here. Uh, there are six to eight men across the country that I mentor, mostly by phone. Sometimes I make trips uh, and, uh, and mentor other pastors, almost all of them, in fact, all of them younger than me. But I have two mentors in my, I've had two mentors in my life, one still mentoring me. He's in his 70s now. And... Uh, talking freely, and I would just, just, just again, you know, when we talk about accountability, and we're going to get to that, um, be careful about accountability with your peers. Uh, I, t- I think we tend to just tell our peers what, we want, what they want to hear. Uh, you might not tell your mentor the same thing. You might, it's a different r- relationship there. I'm not saying you shouldn't have peer uh, accountability. I think you should, but uh, let's, not play the, let's not make the mistake of Rehoboam. Remember him? He, when, when the kingdom was hanging in the, the balance and Solomon, you know, uh, had died, you know, his son Rehoboam, he's got, the, he's got Jeroboam comes up and he says, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's, we can be together. And Rehoboam goes and talks to those who are his, the younger ones. And he makes a boneheaded decision, splits the kingdom as a, as a result. So um, our mentors are really, really important. Uh, if you don't have a mentor, you should be, Right now, just in your mind, think, who could I have a conversation with uh, that I, I wouldn't have to be afraid, they wouldn't condemn me, they wouldn't, uh, that I could just say, hey, could I have a conversation with you every week or every other week and just start a conversation on walking with God and staying pure? Who's coming to your mind? I want to go to the next one, from the Bible to low, and by low, I'm talking about realizing, again, this goes back to what Brad was saying earlier today. 
we don't arrive in this world, right? But we can have a good trajectory. We can have progress. Uh, beware, because uh, therefore let everyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he what? Lest he fall, right? And uh, so for those of you who think you've got this beat, you better memorize that verse. Because the one who thinks he stands needs to take heed. If 68% of men in churches are struggling or failing, that should be warning enough. Now, this verse should sort of cinch it, all right? Uh, and just take a lowly position. The Bible constantly encourages us to be lowly, right? God ex- exalts the humble. He puts down the what? The proud. Jesus referred to himself as a servant. Paul always, re- Paul always referred to himself as a doulos, as a servant. There's an attitude connected to that. Even in the Old Testament, when God was referring to Moses, when he talked to Joshua, he said, Moses, my servant. He never said, Moses, my leader. And the Bible says Moses was the humblest man on earth. But when you read the life of Moses, man, he's dynamic. He's leading the charge. And you're you're born to lead, but you can do it humbly and remain low. Um, And then uh, remember this one. This is a line I keep drilling down on you, right? Because it's all over the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to have you turn to Proverbs chapter 7 here, okay? It's all over the book of Proverbs. And remember, as you remain low, that paths, what? Lead to places. You, if, you're at, if you're at the place of immorality, and by the place I mean the place on the computer, um, somewhere in town where you ought not to be. If you're there, you've lost already. You're done. You're toast. The victory has to come here. That's where you got to have, this is where you win or lose is the path. The path is what leads to the place. And you find this word path used repeatedly in Scripture. Proverbs and Psalms. Paths lead to places. It's a strong warning but it can also be used positive. We get on the right path, takes you to the right place, right? Uh, I've asked somebody to give their story here just to briefly. On, uh, and uh, Frederick, are you here? Okay, come on up here, Frederick. Uh, let's welcome Frederick here. He's going to come and, and talk with us, okay? Pastor Pat special Sunday morning at 7 a.m. <laughs> How about it, Frederick? Is that not on? Okay. Um, good evening, everyone. Um, so, trying to, trying to do this without reading on my phone, because I wrote it out, but it's always distracting when people are just reading. So, um, I just wanted to share um, how through being in God's Word, um, being part of this church, being challenged by this church, um, I turned a lifelong, basically, exposure to pornography at different stages um, into something that I started hating, then started fighting, and then this year have started winning against, but just like Pastor Pat said, it's something that never stops, and it's a fight we have to continue. Um, So I'm Swedish, um, and I grew up in Sweden for the first 14 years of my life. And there, already in that time, just like it is here in the US, 
uh, a lot of this kind of adult material is becoming available just on mainstream TV. It's pretty scary that today we can't even jump onto Facebook or even the web, regular websites. You might, go, you might want to go and look at a sports event and you find something that you, we shouldn't see. And um, the paths lead to places is something that I think is very powerful that even today, because society is so messed up, we, um, we find material uh, that we don't want to see. And even if you're in that boat where you're trying to fight this, um, those temptations are like little triggers. And unfortunately, giving up pornography and moving away from it is like giving up cigarettes. It is addictive. Um, physically and psychologically, and uh, we have to fight it in that way and accept that it is. Um, so I became a Christian three years ago, and um, I, um, I was very, very greatly changed. Um, God opened my eyes to a lot of things, and for over a year, I was able to completely move away from any pornography and stay, stay pure, according to the Bible. Um, but then after a series of events, and because I started listening to myself instead of Christ, and instead of listening to the Word, started listening to myself, through a series of personal events, um, I fell back into sinning with, with pornography again. Um, Sorry, this is very hard to say in front of you guys because I know many of you. Um, it would be easier if I didn't know any of you. <laughs> um, so, basically, um, God started working on me. Um, and it's amazing, when you, when you hide sin inside yourself, it is like he, God doesn't like it. He hates it. And he lets you know about it. Um, so... Through the church's encouragement, through Pastor Pat's encouragement, through all the pastors preaching here, we're always encouraged to go back into the Word. And my wife was supporting me greatly by encouraging me to be in the Word too. So I slowly started going from my 30% success rate to 50%, 60%, 70%. 70%. Um, as we are in the Word, He will challenge us. So. Um, Psalm 32, 2 through 5 was that for me, and it kind of describes my journey. Uh, the first part of that psalm is, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no inequity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Painful part, that wasn't me. For me, it was the verses 3 and 4. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your, heavy, your, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of the summer. And it is one of the scariest, craziest things that since I confessed and since I tried to draw a line in the sand, God has given me energy, has changed my way of many things in my life. So confessing sin is no fun. Um, and Satan will give us every single reason why we should not confess our sins. She will leave you. Your family will be destroyed. 
your marriage will just be better if you keep quiet. Don't believe that lie. I did for too long. So I had confessed my sin to God, finally, and repented, but had not, just com- not yet confessed to my wife. Um, but through a friend, I came to see that it's far braver, far stronger to rely on Christ and to be weak, openly weak. And for us as guys, that sucks. <laughs> um, really sucks. The... Um, 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He can do anything when we lean, in, lean into him, but it means we have to open up. So I confessed to my wife, and through God's grace, she forgave me. Did it hurt her? Yes, it did, greatly. We had to work together by both spending time in the Word and through the support of our wonderful church and cell group. I also saw counseling through the church, and with the help of Pastor, pa- Pastor Kurt, sorry, uh, completed a book study that was very helpful too. Um, implemented a accountability software and an accountability partner. And what's very important when we turn away from something like this is to have fear, fear of God. And I actually spoke to my wife about this this afternoon, preparing for this. And how does we get fear of God? Well. For me, it's this guy, accountability partner. So it's a scary thought that Pastor Pat might get an email from me or from the accountability software. So making the point that accountability partners, which Pat is going to talk about, is very important. So to finish up quickly, Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 describes how we can take up the whole armor of God that you may withstand the evil day. Everything around us has pornography or adult material, and we have to be very careful of what paths we take. But I am now saying no through Christ, but Satan wants every bit of me to fall. I pray that I never let my guard down and to rely fully and solely in Christ, his word and the body of Christ, which is the church. And there's real fruit in confession. And when we trust in Christ, he can work amazing things beyond that what we can imagine. 1 John 1, 9, we are told that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Trust in this, there is no greater empowerment. So to finish up, if I have one minute. Um, my wife actually offered to write this little last bit. Um, she says, well, maybe the guys would wonder what did my wife think when I confessed to her. When Frederick, so I'm just going to write that, read out what she wrote, and then I'm finished. When Frederick confessed, God took care of me. He gave me the grace to forgive Frederick straight away because he brought the gospel to my mind and reminded me of how much Christ had forgiven me. In the week after Frederick's confession, I spent a lot of time with God reading the Bible. He showed me six things through his word that are in my heart forever. One, God showed me Frederick had truly repented and that a repentant sinner is precious in his eyes. Two, God showed me Frederick was given, forgiven and cleansed from his sin, and I was to see Frederick as forgiven and cleansed too.
God showed me that he wanted me to have compassion for Frederick and help him. God reminded me that Frederick's sin was against him first and foremost, not me. This stopped me from feeling unrighteous anger. Five, God let me understand more of his love for Frederick and how it grieved his heart to have the relationship he wanted with Frederick interrupted because of Frederick's sin. That one hits me home because we are made distant from God when we sin against him. I also felt that God promised to rebuild our marriage and give us a stronger marriage as long as we both listened to him and did what he commanded. And it truly has. So. I vote that we have that letter published. And I, as not only as his mentor, his accountability partner, and uh, I'm also his cell group leader, I have watched God just cause their marriage to just explode in front of us with joy. It is, his wife is madly in love with him, and it is just a joy to behold, I got to tell you. Thank you again, Frederick. In fact, I'm going to jump ahead of here to show you. Uh, I'm gonna, well, let me just go ahead. I'm going to go quickly here because of our time. So accountability, uh, who's asking the hard questions? Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another, and when iron hits iron, there's sparks, okay? So you got to expect that a little bit, but I, again, who's asking the hard questions, all right? All right, uh, sorrow. I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. You heard that in Frederick's own confession, vulnerability, weakness. This is David declaring his iniquity, admitting it, and being sorry for his sin. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I want to go right to this. I'm going to talk about confessing your sins, but I told you about this conference I spoke at a couple weeks ago, and here was a young, we talked about this, we talked about pornography, we talked about victory, and a young pastor opened up in front of 20 other pastors and openly confessed his struggle with pornography. And how he was, he was just, the only reason he was doing it is because he was just getting his head above the water. I'm working with him now. Others are working with him. It's exciting to see what's happening. Okay, and I, so I want to share this with you, okay? These, these are lessons from a young pastor. He wrote this to me to share with you. Staying in darkness only keeps you captive. Did we hear that from Frederick too? It's coming into the light that brings freedom. I will say that the first lesson of the way of purity was super obvious, but I had missed it. Up until this point, I've tried to defeat sexual sin for the wrong reasons. Now, this is a pastor talking. These are the reasons he was trying to fight sexual sin. So I can preach on purity. So I can have better sex with my wife. So I don't feel like a failure. Because I promised to stop. Because I hated how it made me feel. And he recognized that those are wrong motivations. He said, but God has said, I will not share my glory with another. The way of purity sets up the fact that if quitting an addiction is done for selfish, that is proud reasons, 
The power of God is not there. Did you catch? I want to reread that. The way of purity sets up the fact that if quitting an addiction is done for selfish reasons, the power of God is not there. This time I'm seeking to be free for the glory of God and in the power of, the God, of God. I start by asking him to renew my heart. Honestly, I'm understanding more of the gospel now than I, have, uh, I ever have. I've always tried, to, uh, tried rules to bring freedom. They don't work. That's good stuff, isn't it? So, our time is going to be up here real quick, so I'm going to have to button it up here. I just I want you to soak in on this stuff a little bit. I, I do want to, I, I, I want to get to testifying. That's the last one. And ask the question, those of you who have struggled with pornography, are you sharing your victories? The psalmist tells us to do so. I love this. Come here, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for my what? My inmost being. Okay, now I had Frederick share a testimony, but he'd be the first to admit, as wonderful as the freedom that he has in Christ right now, he's, he's still a struggler, right, Frederick? Struggling well, fighting well, praise the Lord, pray for Frederick. But I don't just, I'm not, I'm not going to have a testimony time. There may, I think there are some of you, I know there are some of you who just are kind of where Frederick, you're just kind of on the upside of this. Uh, I'd rather have somebody who's been on the upside for several years. Remember the story of, Dan, uh, of, of Brant and Amy Hamley? We put it out on video. This is the couple in our church. Amy was unfaithful to, uh, to Brant. A decade ago, I got involved in the process. It was really ugly. It was really bad. But by the grace of God, they came together. They sought forgiveness. They, were re they reconciled to one another. And then we waited 10 years to tell the story. For good reason. They've got a body of work behind them now. They're, they're, they're walking with Jesus. They're not claiming perfection, but they can help people who are struggling. Uh, so... As we wrap this up, here's our new acronym. Again, what is it? What's the first one? Okay, the Bible's got to be incorporated. I know I do this a lot. I know this is redundant. But with every eye open and everybody looking around, how many of you would say, I don't care if you've made the commitment before, you, with my hand you would say, I, I testify openly that I will not leave my home without spending at least, at least, Five to ten minutes with God every day. Raise your hand if, you, if you're in that commitment. Okay, raise your hand up high. Look around. Look around. Make the commitment if you haven't. Some of you haven't. I know some of you are thinking, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You need it. This is your, in, your ultimate insulator. Low, be lowly, be humble. Don't feel like you've ever arrived because you haven't. We're, in a, it's, we're on a trajectory, okay, going the right direction. Accountability, find those mentors. Uh, seek older mentors if possible, uh, and um, you know you already you know put the stuff on your software around if you need to, like Frederick has. Get accountability that way if you're struggling that way. Be sorry for your sin. Um, again, I use the example of Frederick when he 
when he openly admitted to his wife his struggle, he admits she was broken. This tore her up. But you heard the letter. The open confession has changed their lives. It is changing their marriage. As we speak, hiding it is not going to help you because he who covers his sin will not what? Won't prosper. You, you're just going to spin your wheels. But the one who confesses and forsakes gets God's mercy, right? Last one is testifying. Uh, just as you need to testify to your accountability, your struggles, testify of your victories. Uh, have you had a time where you were tempted to go to that? You've heard, I remember uh, Brad telling a, oh, half a year ago, he told us, I, I don't remember, remember, you were in a hotel and you were tempted to go to an HBO station or something and you, uh, I don't remember, I, to be honest, I don't remember if you did or you didn't. You, you, you actually failed, right? And then you confessed it or something like that. Was that what happened? Yeah. What's that? I think for me, the time was a lot shorter than it had been in the past. Explain what you mean by that. So it would have been, I would have watched that whole thing all the way through, you know. But God, you know, in a matter of 20 seconds said, knock this off. This isn't going to bring you the joy and glory to me. And I was able to, all by myself, shut that off and have victory in it. So. Okay, so the, the testimony here is I, I fail. I got on the wrong path. But I jumped off the path before I ended up in that place where that would take me down toward masturbation or whatever. I mean, what, what's the natural outflow of this if you're doing stuff like this in secret, right? So share with your accountability. You know, I struggled, but thank you, Lord, I did this. Or if you just struggled, whatever. Openly testifying, that's where we need to be. So let's have a blast in the right kind of way, okay? So... Uh, Probably a poor way of starting. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I want to just, uh, I want to close our time in prayer and then uh, we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, thanks so much for these men. I don't know where they're at. I can only assume some of them are really struggling. This is a tough subject to go through. Um, have mercy on them, Lord. Have mercy on them. Uh, help them to be reminded that they are loved with an everlasting love. And underneath are the everlasting arms your arms, Lord, holding them up, and, they, and you will hold them up. I pray for those men in this room that are hiding something, that they would realize that putting it out in the light is the most important thing they could do, first before you, and then before, if they're married, their wives, and maybe accountability people. Open confession. Make us true confessors, Lord. And, uh, and uh, I pray we, you would raise up a generation of men who would be true champions for Jesus. Champions in purity. Uh, and then I pray you just do some spectacular things in our marriages as a result of these things. And help us, Lord, help us to know where to find the help. from You, your word, your church, your people, our friends in Christ. Thanks for Frederick. What a story. Thanks for Gemma. What a forgiver. Having been forgiven, she forgave. Ah, I love it. God, thank you so much for this time we could be together tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much.